Music from the Smug Brothers right there. That's from On the Way to the Punchline. That's their latest release. Before that, we heard Jim James with a track from Regions of Light and Sounds of God. That was State of the Art, A-E-I-O-U. They Might Be Giants before that with a track from Nanobots. That's their newest album. It's called Tesla. Well, I am Juliet Fromholt, and uh, I, I have to welcome into the studio somebody who has had a long history with, with the show, and, and probably, I don't know if you remember the, that you had kind of a hand in the very, very early days of Kaleidoscope. I want to welcome Jason Young to the studio. Good evening. Hello, hello. Very happy to have you here. So, so to explain to everybody, um, I just posted a picture on our Facebook page, and it was the very original, original logo for oh, the yeah. show, that, yeah. That old thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back uh, four and a half some years ago when we were switching from evening excursions to calling the show Kaleidoscope, after agonizing over a name for about four and a half months before <laughs> before the show started proper, I finally, um, I always have to give props to Norm Whitman's wife for helping me come up with a name. We came up with Kaleidoscope, and I approached a good friend of mine who happens to be a wonderful artist and said, could you make me a logo? And and that was your logo. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do remember that, actually. I, I was looking at the logo the other day, and I was like, I was like, this is cool, but I was like, I think I could, I think I could do better now. (laughs) Well, let's, let's go, let's go back. Let's, let's start off. Um, I I know that you've been drawing for, for a long, long time. Was, was making art just something that has always been a part of you or, or can you pinpoint kind of a a start to when you said, yeah, I want to be an artist. I want to draw. Yeah, I think it was. Um, yeah, forever. Cause me and my brother used to always draw our own comics when we were kids, um, like in the church bulletins at church or, <laughs> or just on whatever paper we had. Um, so yeah, I think as long as I could hold a pencil pretty much. And when you guys were drawing your own, your own comic books, was it sort of, you know, your own original characters or were you kind of riffing off of characters that you had been reading about? How did, how did you start out? What were your first creations like? I, I think that, yeah, they were mostly just stuff we were making up at the time, but I can remember my brother cause he's more of an entrepreneur than I am. And I remember him selling me uh, some of his comics that he would create himself. And then years later I look back and I'm like, wait a minute, those are Marvel characters. He's just like, <laughs> he's just looking at old comics and redrawing them and selling them to me. So <laughs> so he, he was maybe a little smarter about it than I was, but um, we were both pretty creative, I guess. So, so that's awesome. So he was like just like selling you, selling oh, yeah. you his books. That's awesome. Like the Ghost Rider or, or something. <laughs> like, wow, you created the Ghost Rider. That's amazing. <laughs> when did you? Um, when did you decide to really start? Were, were these early creations? about your life or when did you start to your comics are so autobiographical when did when did that start was that a later decision or yeah actually yeah i think because again my my brother he's a few years older than me and uh he you know he was reading comics um as long as i can remember um since i was born and uh he turned me on to like chester brown and a couple other um people that do autobio stuff but i do remember like when we were even when we were kids we we drew our own books about ourselves too so, um, like one was just about us playing basketball with our friends and things like that. So I think I've always been interested in, um, you know, just like sharing personal stories with people. So, um, I think it's a really, a really 
intimate sort of genre of comics. And you're doing that now in in your series, Veggie Dog Saturn. Um, Tell me a little bit about how that got started. Um, Let's see. I think uh, I did a a comic called Panic Attack um, years ago, and uh, I just never continued with it. But I wanted to do more autobio stuff, and I kind of found a different voice and a different approach. And uh, one summer I just, like, kind of – wrote the wrote the first issue and um my my friend Eric encouraged me to get it printed up and you know get get it into people's hands to read it so um from that I just kind of like it just kind of snowballed and like every year I've done one or two since then when you were doing that first one did you envision it being an an ongoing book or did you think oh I'm just going to do this one and get it out there and yeah, yeah I think I think it was just a one off thing in my mind because it was it was pretty much about a bad experience I had that I needed to like have some sort of catharsis and get it out of my system, and uh and it, and it was like it was a really good, really good way to just you know like cleanse my palate of of, of that whole affair, and uh and yeah yeah I, I recommend that to anyone like you know instead of just doing a painting or whatever you can you can tell a story and it's kind of like you know writing it in your diary but you know it's artwork too and you can share it with people that way. What is your what is your process like um, as far as getting you know planning out the story and and you know as far as beginning middle and end and then actually drawing out the story is it is it all kind of happening at once are you plotting out the story fully in your head and then you know figuring out how the paneling is going to work I I usually just start with like a just a nugget of an idea like oh that that's a fun story or or you know something really strange that has happened. And uh, I just write, like, I keep a list of, like, possible story ideas. And then whenever I'm getting ready to make another comic, I look through it. And whichever one just strikes my interest at the time, really, like, because some of them are kind of dark and some of them are kind of funny. And then, I don't know, it, you know, it's they're really different from each other. So, um, yeah, it just depends on what mood I'm in. And then I, I just kind of sit down and write down the main, like, points that I want to get across, like, you know, story elements or whatever. And then I just kind of go with it. I just kind of like wing it and, you know, sketch it out like with stickmen people and, and just kind of see how it turns out. And then once I get sort of, you know, wrangled into a form I want, I just like just go for it. Now, the, the, the Jason character, you in Veggie Dog Saturn, I feel like is, is becoming, you know, he's, he's like the, the icon of the book, you know, and, and he's very recognizable to me having read all of the books. Was that, was that something, um, did you have that character sort of developed, uh, the look of that character um, long before Veggie Dog Saturn started? Or did you sort of develop the, the way that the you was looking in the comic book for that first Veggie Dog? I actually, I I think it it took me until issue four before it starts looking consistent. Um, actually, an issue four has um, like a lot of flashbacks to when I was a kid, so that's even a little different. But um, yeah, like the first two or three issues, I think it's hardly recognizable as the same character from issue to issue. But after that, yeah, I, I pretty much draw myself the same way, and I kind of found you know it's like when you look at old you know, Peanuts cartoons, not that I'm comparing this to Peanuts, <laughs> but uh, Peanuts is clearly a lot better. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at like, you know, the fifties, Charlie Brown, it looks nothing like the eighties or nineties, Charlie Brown. And I, you know, I think I just finally figured out what I wanted to, to make myself look like and to get it across as like a, a nice cartoon. And, uh, yeah, I f- I'm kind of finally happy with it. <laughs> but, is that, is that hard to not only, you know, be putting, 
um, you know, putting something that you've drawn, something that you've created out there, but to also have it be, you know, stories of your life, stories that um, can be very funny, but can also be um, kind of heartbreaking or, or dark. Right. Is that is that difficult when you're when you're putting a book out there? Um, I try to think of it that way because I think all artwork, you know, whether it's music or whatever, you know, you're putting part of yourself in there. But when it is so like literal transcribed of your life, it, it does make me think twice a couple, you know, a couple times, like there's a couple of stories I've put out there where I'm like, you know, I hope this one person doesn't read this because <laughs> it kind of like shows something that they did that and I'm, I'm not trying to paint anyone to be a villain, but I just put things that happen. And if someone does something horrendous, I put it in there. I don't edit it. Like, like there, there was a, a, a something in the second issue where uh, someone did some, did, did something that like is kind of despicable to me. And uh, I, I like, thought and thought whether I should, you know, edit it or lighten it up a little bit. And I was like, no, I'm just going to put it in there. And I used his real name and everything. And so far, as far as I know, he hasn't seen it. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens when his lawyer calls me. I guess. <laughs> what's it, what's it been like to have, you know, maybe, maybe not those extremes, but, um, your friends and, and people in your life who are, who are in the books and are seeing themselves portrayed or, you know, we're along for them in some of these situations. What's it like to have their reactions? It's it's really cool. I think I think most people like, I mean, I guess it's flattering to see yourself in a piece of artwork because, you know, the artist is thinking about you. And I, I think, yeah, I think most people like it. Most of my friends, like, you know, when they appear in my book, like one of my friends who's never appeared in one of them, he keeps asking me, he's like, when am I going to be on an issue? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of, a, a you know, like the perfect story that involves you. So, yeah, I think most people, most people dig it. Cool, cool. Now, you have been um, going to, you know, some of these independent comic conventions. Uh, there's Space up in Columbus. There's uh, TCAF in Toronto. And I know that at Space, your work has been honored several times uh, over the years. What has what has the, the community of independent creators been like? Uh, for those who don't know, both Space and TCAF are pretty much devoted to independent comic creators, small press people, things like that. Um, what, what have you found in that, in that community of folks that are gathering at these events? I, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's super diverse and, um, uh, I've met a lot of people that I've actually ended up working with on comics. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great way to, I don't know, to kind of network and just to get inspired. You know, I've, I've seen stuff that makes me rethink the way I'm doing things and, um, and you know, and everyone's so approachable I mean, you can ask them be like, well, you know, what, you know, why do you do it this way? Or like, you know, do you have any advice? And everybody is really forthcoming with everything. So yeah, I, I've, it's almost like a punk rock community where everybody's just kind of like, yeah, you, you want to start a band? Let's start a band next weekend, you know, and, and we jam on a comic together and it's super fun. And there's a lot of creative energy there. Now, explain to people what a jam comic is, because I love this concept, and okay. and I've I've seen them kind of happening. Uh, the last time I was up at Space, you guys were, I think, several people were working on one, kind of passing one around. Yeah. Um, tell people about that. I well, love this. Well, this is cool, too, because this is how, this is the main way me and my brother and our friends did our comics when we were kids. Um, basically, somebody just starts with a blank sheet of paper, and they just draw the first panel and, like, write in the words, and then just hands it to somebody else. And they have no idea, you know, like where the story is supposed to go. And they just continue it with another panel and then uh, passes it to somebody else. And then it, and it's so cool to watch it meld into like different, um, different styles and different story ideas. You know, occasionally it'll go in a direction you're like, ah, what? This is crazy. But, <laughs> but that's all part of the fun. I mean, just seeing, you know, seeing where it goes. 
It it reminds me a lot of uh, like improv, like improv sketch comedy, where you oh, know right. when you're working with different people. Um, you have to be kind of, you know, the the rules of improv are like, you know, you have to be willing to say yes and and yes and and sort of, you know, advance the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't be like, well, I don't like the idea that all of a sudden this guy's a pirate. I'm going to change it to, you know, he's just a regular guy again. Like, yeah, you have to just take whatever they hand you and just, you know, just kind of not really, you know, think too logically about it, but just kind of go with it. And uh, I think that's, you know, where a lot of spontaneity comes into play and makes for good comics. Now, we talked a little bit about your your writing process for Veggie Dog Saturn, but um, what is your, what's kind of your your regimen? I mean, are you drawing all the time? Do you go in spurts? Do you do you I, sort of set a schedule for yourself? I wish I was drawing all the time. Um, <laughs> right now, I work two part-time jobs. Um, so I basically have one day a week where I set aside to, to draw. Um, and then... And then uh, I have a couple times a week where, you know, like me and Eric do a drawing night once a week. Um, but, it, yeah, like Tuesday is my, like, I don't make plans day, and I just kind of stay at home and draw. So, unfortunately, right now I'm a one-day-a-week uh, cartoonist, so I would love to be a seven-day-a-week cartoonist. Does it does it take um... – is it is it rough sometimes uh, when you when you say okay like this is my drawing night? Do you have nights where you sit down and you're just like oh my gosh nothing's coming oh, and yeah. you force yourself to work through it or or is it or is it kind of one of those things where this is my one day I have to get it all out now? Oh, it's it's a perfect amalgam of those two things. Like <laughs> like like sometimes I'll show up to my friend Eric's house and we you know our goal is to like just you know draw for like four hours and sometimes I stare at a blank piece of paper um, for like an hour and a half and I realize. My creative, you know, my, my wheels aren't turning. So I just, like, at that point, I just start sketching whatever. Like, I, I feel like, you know, any kind of drawing is better than no drawing. So I, I honestly try to draw something every day, whether it's a sketch or, a, you know, part of a comic or whatever. So, yeah, if the wheels aren't turning, you just do it anyway. You just you just start sketching and you're like, this is terrible, but at least it's getting my creative juices flowing. Who are who are some artists you mentioned uh, Chester Brown? Who are some uh, creators or artists that really inspire you? Um, well, it's weird. Like over the years, um, and, you know, obviously when I was a kid, it was it was superhero comics, and uh, and I have nothing against superhero comics now. I just I feel like I've read so many of them, like like literally thousands of them, that I'm you know I'm I'm kind of like not as interested in them anymore. Um, but Jack Kirby, who did uh, um, most of the Marvel comics in the '60s that anyone's ever heard of, um, he you know he basically drew all those. And uh, um, him and in, and in the in the late '80s, I yeah I learned about Chester Brown and that whole genre of of uh, like underground cartoonists like Charles Burns and and now like Jeffrey Brown and Carrie McNinch and all these people that do great auto bio stuff. Um, cause that's, that's what I'm most interested in. So I, I kind of take a lot of inspiration from that whole crew. Do you find that, um, the, the sort of auto bio comic world is, although it's, it's very accessible creator to creator that, um, it's kind of hard for people to find it or, or people don't know it's out there. Yeah. I think, I mean, probably in your average comic shop, there's, there's not a lot of it there because, it's not a huge seller or at least in, you know, at least in, you know, most places I've been to, I mean, in Chicago and Toronto, it's pretty big. Um, but like, you know, we carry a lot of it at the store I work at and it doesn't sell great, but the people that like it really like it. 
And I think most of them find it through going to conventions or just kind of stumbling across it on the web. Because a lot of those people do web comics or, or at least blog posts um, on a weekly basis. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, like I think I was just lucky to have an older brother who really knew what was going on. Um, you know, it's like when you have an older brother that turns you on to like really awesome movies or music. I feel like I had the same thing. And uh, I don't know how most people find out about it, honestly, because, you know, they're, they're usually like hand stapled folded black and white kind of zine kind of comics. And, um, and, you know, most stores don't give those the most prominent uh, sales space store space. So yeah, you kind of have to dig around for them. Kind of have to have an in or or it's it's kind of like if you don't have that that older brother scenario, you have to have kind of I feel like somebody who acts as the older brother who in the same way that somebody says, oh, you have to listen to this record. Right. You know, there's somebody that says, oh, you have to read this book. And that's why we're here tonight. And that is why we're here tonight. <laughs> we're your older brother, people. <laughs> that's right. Your radio older brother. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll be back to uh, talk more with Jason Young about uh, his work. And we've got a special guest who happened to stop by the studio. We're going to bring him in the studio as well. We're talking independent comics here on Kaleidoscope on 91.3 WYSO. Here's some music. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. find out something about someone something shocking terrible disgusting and then file that information away just in case it proves handy later on on the next step judgment from prx and npr you probably present the dirt snap judgment storytelling with a beat do not miss it thursday night at 11 and sunday night at midnight where else but why so 
We're back here on Kaleidoscope on 91.3 WYSO. I'm Juliet from Holt, joined here in the studio once again by Jason Young. Hi. Hi. And we've got uh, another guest who uh, came along today, another independent comic creator, Brian John Mitchell. Welcome. Hello. Thanks very for having me. Very glad to have you here. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Now, um, Jason, I want to talk about this new book that you've got coming out. It's Is this your first, uh, you know, formal foray into, into doing fiction? Um... It's the first one I'm proud of. <laughs> so yeah, we'll say it's the first one. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Was it was it a hard um, stretch, or was it a different kind of creative process to write a fictional book as opposed to you know autobiographical? Um, it was definitely different, but I think I was kind of excited about it because as much as I like talking about me, I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I think I've got some other stories, some things that didn't actually happen to me. So um, I was, yeah, I've been wanting to do something fiction for a while. And then uh, I talked to my friend Chris Hoyam, and uh, we decided to, you know, work on a, a book together where we wrote for each other and and uh, you know made this collaboration of fiction. And I was really happy with the way it turned out. In in collaborating with other folks, you know, differently than say a jam comic, when you're writing for somebody else to draw, do you? Do you take into consideration their their style when you're when you're formulating the story? How does that work? Definitely, yeah. Um, like Chris has a style that's similar to my own, but it's it's got its different strengths too. So I tried to write it um, based on what I thought would look great for him to do. And yeah, I think you have to take that into consideration. Uh, you know, because some people's styles are so so different. Um, there was an v- issue of Veggie Dog Saturn that was all drawn by other people. Um, that I, I wrote all the stories and other people drew them. And I tried to specifically pick such stuff that would work well with each person's artistic style. So, yeah, it's definitely definitely in my mind when I, when I decided who does what. Was that, was that issue, um, was that strange for you to then see, you know, your, when it's, when it's your stories, your, your autobiographical stories in somebody else's style? Yeah, it was, it was kind of strange, but it ended up being my favorite issue of the series because it was so different. Um, cause I, I love comics anthologies. That's probably my favorite thing to buy other than many comics is anthologies because you just never know what you're going to get. It's so all over the place. And, uh, it was really cool to see you know, my, my stuff turned into other people's versions of me. And Brian, I want to bring you into the conversation. Now I, I met you at space this past year and you have these tiny, tiny little comics that yeah, you're putting they're the out. the size of a pack of matches basically. And, uh, one, only one panel fits per page and they're like 30 to 50 pages or so. And, uh, I do a bunch of different genres. I do uh, the autobio thing that is typical of many comics, but then I also do like westerns and horror and uh, you know just whatever, whatever, whatever uh, comes to mind. I'll try and uh, tackle a topic. Now I have to ask when you when you're doing the artwork for those are they are they drawn that size or are they sized down? Um, it it depends. Like I started out uh, drawing it that size, and I think you can tell a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then uh, now the the ones that I do that are just stick figures, the auto bio stuff is just I do it just slightly larger, um, like maybe at like one like thirty percent larger. But ones I do that are really drawn are probably about four to six times the size. And depending on the artist, they that because I only draw maybe a third of the comics that I do. 
and the artists that draw the other ones some of them some of them draw it pretty close to the actual size and some of them draw it like a full sheet of paper would reduces down to the size of a matchbook and sometimes that doesn't really work out because you know they're they have all this cross hatching and it just turns into white when you shrink it down that much or just black, whichever. How do you how do you determine like what you're going to draw and what you're gonna have other people draw? Do people pitch ideas to you? Do you kind of meet up with people and uh, say, Hey, yeah. work with me or Well, you know, it's a lot of it is like you, you meet the people at the conventions and stuff, you know, and it's like like Jason was saying, it's a pretty tight knit community. Um and, you know, you meet somebody and you're like, Oh, I wanna work with them and you just talk about ideas of things that they want to draw and you get ideas like, okay, so because I, I have like a bunch of stories just laying around that I don't have anybody that I think would be the right person to draw them and I just need to find the right person to draw those stories a lot of the time. And it's like you see somebody's art and you're like, oh, this person would be really cool for doing this idea that I have and you see if they're interested in that idea and if they are then you're like okay let's go here here's a here's a script does it is it tricky um sort of spanning the different genres from you know autobio to horror to western do you have to sort of put yourself in a different writing mindset to to get to those different stories yeah well i think you do in a way but like what happens with me personally it like I don't sit down like I am going to write something that's in this style. Like it's just like stuff's ruminating forever. And then like, you know, like it might take me like two or three years to write down a script. or And then even after I write it down, it might be another year before I do the final version that's going to somebody so that they can draw it. Because it's just the nature of things with mini comics is nobody's making money. So ain't that the dream? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you send somebody a script, and you're like, finish it when you get a chance. So two years sometimes passes before uh, before the art comes back, or and if it hasn't come back in two years, usually you ask somebody else to do it, and then, <laughs> then there's another two years. <laughs> We're talking independent comics with Jason Young and Brian John Mitchell here on Kaleidoscope on 91.3 WYSO, Yellow Springs, Dayton, Springfield, and online at wyso.org. In in talking about, you know, kind of, yeah, there's there's not a lot of money just like, you know, in independent music, you know, nobody's generally knocking down your door saying, hey, you know, make this art. Um, how do you guys get your work out there? We talked a little bit about the conventions, but are you networking online? Is it mostly person to person? Um, I had a lot of luck last year with Kickstarter um, that I was trying to get like $500 to buy these wooden boxes to make box sets. And I got like $2,000 in backers. So, And my books sell for a dollar a piece. So 2000 is more than 2,000 books sold. So that was like a pretty big deal. And then I did this this other one um, about uh, – I did I – did, Jason actually collaborated on one of them that I did these uh, – We play well together. Yeah. <laughs> we did – I did these uh, set of three comics that they were – the stories were like semi-horror stories of, involving bottles. And I put the comics in bottles and I threw them out in the ocean. And, uh, did and you get a nasty letter from I a park did. Ranger? I got a nasty letter from a park ranger. Oh, wow. 
a park ranger found one of my bottles and said that I was littering. Oh no! But they, but they, that means they broke it open to yeah, get to, the contact information. Right. So hopefully they read them. Right. So that's a win. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that that really says something that they didn't just recycle the yeah, bottle. Yeah, they didn't just or, throw it away. Yeah. yeah they, they took the time to They're tell like, me I was a bad person. I'm going to save the world. Wow. <laughs> but like in that one, you know, I. I got a, I got some luck with the, that on Kickstarter. I think right now for indie comics, Kickstarter's not quite as hot as it was maybe a year ago because the same with music. There's that thing going with Kickstarter where people are starting to be burned a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right. With people not completing their projects or not completing them anywhere close to on time or whatever, you know, like you know that grizzly bear dude's story. Right, yeah. right, exactly, exactly. Do you do you think that in in that regard, it's it's one of those situations where the crowdfunding thing was working really well, but now, you know, maybe there's a different way to crowdfund or, or artists are going to have to sort of look for the next thing. Like Kickstarter was the next thing, certainly for a while, but now, yeah, it's it's reaching critical mass, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I, – I think like the problem I have with a lot of people's Kickstarters is – People do these Kickstarters and they don't really know how much work it is to do their project and, you know, they don't know how much money it's really going to take to do this project. They don't calculate in, like, all the things that can go wrong. And I I wish that when people were doing their Kickstarters, it was like, this product is already done. I want to know if I should bother to manufacture it or not. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which that's, that's the way I'm using Kickstarter is, like, I'll, I'm, like... The product is ready. If I should in, let me know if I should invest five hundred dollars to make this thing exist. If if there aren't five hundred people that want to spend a dollar, then I know not to bother to make it. Right? Do you print twenty or two thousand? Yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's when you find out. Yeah, which I think is a good way to use it. But then, like, you know, other people are like writing, like a not even a, like I don't even think they have the script done. They're just like, here's a pitch and. I got somebody to draw a splash page, and they said they'd draw the whole thing if I give them $10,000. And so, guys, I need $25,000. I'm like, wow, that's a big ask, $25,000. Yeah. Um, for somebody that we've never heard of. Right. <laughs> how do you um, How do you sort of figure out, um, especially with, with these things like the, the comics in a bottle and the box sets and things like that, how do you sort of determine what is, um, you know, doable or, or even when you're putting together the Kickstarter, like what's going to be potentially fundable, like what's going to draw people in or, or Jason, like with your covers, um, that are really just different and eye-catching and unique. How do you, how do you sort of balance the art side of things with maybe a, a little touch of marketing? I'm really bad at marketing. <laughs> like I, I have no online presence. I mean, I, I, there's a website, um, but I don't do like Facebook or anything. Um, like I, yeah, I, I try to just I mail my comics to different stores that I know will sell them on consignment, and then anytime I'm out of town, I'll take a big stack with me, and if I find a comic shop or a comics convention, I'll give them the people or try to you know sell them or get them on consignment. So I'm kind of bad beyond that about getting my stuff out there i think brian is much more in tune with with how yeah, to... jason hired me to promote his books a couple times <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i am 
with with the Kickstarter, it's funny. Like the one with the box set, I actually ran into a problem because like I was looking for five hundred dollars, and when I got two thousand dollars, it was like, oh. I don't have time to physically <laughs> physically make these things. It went from something that was going to take a week of my life to something that took a month of my life. Right. And so, like, I needed to push a bunch of other work that I was needing to do aside for a while to to do that, which, you know, I mean, like, that's awesome in yeah. a way. Yeah. You're, but it's like, you know, like the folding and stapling part of comics isn't really... That's my favorite part. <laughs> it really is. Like, I, like when I get them printed up, they're like, and, you know, it's only like $2 extra for us to fold and staple. I'm like, no. <laughs> Don't you dare rob me of that joy. But, but yeah, I mean, like, like Kickstarter, Kickstarter for me was lucky because I, I have built up a database over the past several years where, uh, like, I have all these people – that are press people for comics and so like i would put up the kickstarter and then i would email these 70 or 80 people and hopefully some of them would give it coverage and with the bottle thing it was funny because they were like you know they're only like three or four major comics news sites and one of them like emailed me right back and they were like this is littering and we don't want to promote this but then the other three covered it, so then the fourth one had to. <laughs> right? Peer so, pressure. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like, but it's funny because you'd think, oh, you get all this coverage, but actually, like, because like, I'm kind of a numbers person, and, like, I was looking, look at the numbers, and those sites don't drive that many, like, Kickstarter is really good about showing you where your money comes from, and most of the money comes from people that are just on kickstarter and just like looking, looking for something looking for something cool to right. put some money to, towards that's where my, i got most of my money other people i know that did kickstarter projects that wasn't their experience at all unless they heard about it on the news site and just later were like oh i'm gonna troll around on kickstarter. yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah that's possible they heard about it mm-hmm. and then later when they were on kickstarter they they're like oh yeah yeah I, I mean you can't it's hard to know for yeah, sure it's hard to know for sure exactly how it works but it's not like you get listed on this site and immediately right, you're this. a rich man. <laughs> and, but I mean, to me, the even more disconcerting thing is, you know, you email to your hundred friends or whatever about like, Hey, I'm doing this Kickstarter. If you want to buy my new book and that only seven of them, <laughs> you know, they're like, I'll just get it. At yeah. He'll give it to me for free. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I was doing this album thing that was going to require me buying some new audio equipment. And it didn't get funded, and people were like, "So how is it? How is it working out? Working on that new album?" I'm like, "It's not going to happen because I didn't get the money to buy the equipment." And people are like, "Oh, I thought you'd just do it anyway." So that's why I didn't bother to back it. I'm like, "Well, that's not how it works." Like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a double-edged sword a little bit. I, I want to kind of ask you guys both what you think. Um, since we're kind of on this on this Kickstarter conversation, you mentioned people that are just on Kickstarter and looking for something cool. It seems to me that some of these crowdfunding sites have sort of maybe reinvigorated sort of the old idea of a, of a patron for the arts and put it more on a on a DIY level or made it more accessible to people who aren't, 
you know, rich enough to be a, say, patron of the fine arts, but everyday people who want to be supporters. Um, as artists, have, have you guys seen that either, you know, through crowdfunding or just through, you know, what you're seeing at conventions? You know, maybe people who aren't creators, but, you know, and maybe aren't even huge comic fans, but just want something different and want to support art and creation. Um, I, yeah, I mean, most of the people I've sold to at conventions are definitely comic book readers. Um, but I've never done, you know, there's other shows like I, I really need to, I, I need to do the, uh, um, the second street market or something like, you know, something like that where there's just all kinds of different, um, things to buy and, and seek out. Um, but yeah, so far I think I would, I would wager a hundred percent of the people that have bought them from me are, are comic book readers, or my friends. Yeah, but they're, <laughs> but they're at comic conventions and comic shops. So right. Yeah. There's that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, they do, I don't know if you know Maker Fair. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they do a local one um, in the city where I live. And every year, that's my biggest so- single selling event um, that, um, you know, I did it a couple weeks ago and I sold $200 worth of $1 books. Well, you know, it's that's almost like, 200 of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quick with math. Yeah. And so it's just like, okay, this is, you know, and it's like all people that just are like wandering around your, you know. That's great. And I want to try and, you know, it's like the craft fair market and that stuff, though. It's really weird. You you need to just, it's like you need to go to those individual events to know if it's going to work because like. You go to some of them, and the only thing that sells is jewelry and pottery, or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So you just need. To, I mean, I know um, what's it, Steve Bissett. Mm-hmm. He said he sells a lot of stuff at the farmers market. Wow. Um, but he does the. You know, he did that book about like uh, dinosaurs. Yeah, or dinosaurs, <laughs> or local. No, it was like local local ghost stories or something. Right. And he said like okay. he sells. To tons town, of that to yeah. people that people are interested in the, the yeah. town stories yeah, yeah just localized but as far as like with kickstarter and the patron of the arts thing i i do think there's something going on where um some people are realizing that the way that the arts are right now especially like the music and comics industry where there's not a lot of money going on that if you want there to continue to be new work you need to somehow pay in towards it and kickstarter is a good place to get that opportunity to make sure new work happens and it's a good it's a good discovery engine and right now i mean like years ago myspace was a great discovery engine for both for pretty much anything artistic and uh when it fell to facebook facebook's just a totally different type of community i don't have any problems with it but it's not good for art discovery and right now, Kickstarter's the best art discovery thing, but as it's just gotten diluted as there get to be too many projects, it's harder to discover quality projects when there's How about, just inundated. Do you do Etsy? Do you do that one? I, I don't. I hear good things, but I'm just like... You know, where do you, you know you only have so much time? What are right, you going right. to mm-hmm. invest it in? Well, where can people um, get their hands on on both of your your comics? Um, you can get both of them at Mavericks <laughs> and Kettering. Um, we sell we sell uh, Brian's Silver Media stuff at at Mavericks and uh, and mine too. Um, or you can, I mean, I sell them through the mail. You can uh, go to my website, which is buyerbeware.guttertrash.net. 
Um, and some other comic shops carry them. Like I know some stores in Chicago and things carry them. So um, you can you can find them if you sniff them out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny because I think Mavericks is the only comic shop I currently have stuff in. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they're so small, and places are like, oh, I don't know, because you know, like they're gonna get lost. And they're stolen. gonna get lost. They're gonna get stolen. We aren't gonna be able to keep track of them. So I'm like, okay, don't worry about it. Then don't take them in. Uh, they are tiny, but but I like them because they're tiny. They're no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, they... I have three in my pocket uh, today. This, uh, this is a true story because <laughs> I work at you know Mavericks Comic Book Shop. Today was New Comic Book Day, and one of our customers came in and he was buying a big pile of you know regular sized comics. And uh, he was like, yeah, I got to go back to work. I got a big meeting. And I was like, oh, you're going to try to sneak some of those in and read them? And he goes, no, I can't do that. And I pulled out – I had some of Brian's comics <laughs> in my pocket, which I often do. And uh, I was like, "I was like, check out these little tiny little things. Like, you can sneak these into any meeting. <laughs> you know, so there, there's – Added there's appeal. Right there. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, like that was part of the whole thing when I started doing this format was it was like – it was something you can read on your bus ride. You can read it, you know, you can just have it with you and read it wherever, whenever, including your business meeting is cool. Um, yeah, they're and, really discreet. Yeah. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, and this, the website for if you want to order mine direct is Silber Media with B as in boy for S-I-L-B as in boy, E-R-M-E-D-I-A dot com. And if you want to just go to the comics, it's slash comics. There's a ton of stuff up there. Um, We'll get a link up to that on our Facebook page. We've got a link up to Jason's uh, site already. We'll get Brian's up there as well. We're facebook.com slash kaleidoscope radio. And uh, Jason, I understand you brought some goodies for a uh, oh, uh, yeah. lucky listener. Yeah, I brought some uh, some funny books to give away. Oh, all righty. Well, let's uh, – what number caller shall we do? Um, three. Three? Okay. <laughs> All right. Caller three at 937-769-1998 wins uh, some comics, some independent comics from uh, our good buddy Jason Young here. Everyone and oh, we've got Brian's in there too. Awesome. I'll go with number, caller number five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, caller number four. You're just out of luck. Three and five. All right. Callers three and five, 937-769-1998. Check it out. We uh, are going to have links up on our Facebook page to both of these guys' work. Support independent art. Long story short, do it. It's worth it. Thank you both so much for coming in thank tonight. Thank you very much, Juliet. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. 937-769-1998. Third and Fifth callers win some goodies. Give us a call, won't you? Here's music from Met City. This is Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 